Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome to a Monday edition of the Baseball Insiders, where we've got the two best words in professional sports. Astros lose. No, sorry, that's Game 7. Game 7 are the two best words, and tonight is the night Deep in the heart of Texas, thanks to Adolis Garcia's Grand Slam and a nice job by the Texas Rangers surviving last night behind Nathan Evaldi's right arm, of course, making up for the Game 5 disaster. Or was it the best win in Astros history? It all depends on your perspective. It shifted this series, and now we have a winner-take-all tonight. That plus Bob Melvin's future, the Phillies potentially getting back on the right foot, and an update on the Red Sox GM search with Fansider's MLB insider Robert Murray, who joins me as always, and is pretty hype on the Philadelphia Eagles trading for safety Kevin Byer just before we went live. Robert, how you doing, dude? I'm great, man. Yeah, as you said, I was very excited. I found out as we hopped in the in the backstage here before the show uh, that they traded for Kevin Byer. Life is good. Very excited. Big win last night, but holy cow, this baseball season, Mr. Weinrib, is uh, is heating up. I thought the Phillies had that series in the bag, and then all of a sudden the Diamondbacks fought back, and it has been a very competitive series in that one and also the American League, too. I'm ready to dive into this thing, but most of all, like most importantly, how are you doing? I'm doing good. Uh, yeah, I went down to the University of North Carolina over the weekend to have a fun birthday weekend, watch the Heels football team try to continue their undefeated season and pursuit of a college football championship. Uh, they not only lost, they, they it was basically the equivalent of a baseball team needing to beat like, uh, I don't know, you, you got to beat the White Sox to get into the playoffs and you lose, uh, you're favored by 23 and a half and you lose. So Huge bummer for me, but I had a fantastic weekend with my friends. These baseball series, which we thought, um, I had a friend text me when they were both 2-0. Are we even going to get a game five in either of these? Uh, yes, we are. We're, we're getting we're getting games five, six, potentially two sevens. If Aaron Nola struggles to pull it together at home, uh, the Phillies definitely sitting prettier now than they were then. The Rangers and Astros in an absolute dogfight. And if you want to get your playoff bets in, today's show is sponsored by Bet365. They've got a new offer for the MLB postseason. If you are a new user and you don't have an account, you register with the code BASEBALLIN. You are now eligible to receive $150 in bonus bets. All you have to do is deposit $10, place a $5 wager on any game. Once that first bet settles, you will receive $150 in bonus bets. Even if you lose, just make sure to use the code BASEBALLIN when you sign up. By using our code, you not only receive the 150 in bonuses, you will also be directly supporting the podcast. So if you have not signed up for Bet365, join with the code baseball in, place that first bet. This offer is only available to new customers who are 21 plus physically present in legal gambling states. Please remember to always gamble responsibly. Check the episode description for the full terms of the offer to see if you qualify. And join us on the Discord where you can hop in, become a YouTube member, talk to Robert and I between shows, ask us questions. Get early questions in for some of the baseball stars we have on the show. We had Curtis Granderson and Pudge Rodriguez last week. I promised Pudge I would not jinx his Rangers. I I didn't, but they jinxed themselves, and, and Jose LeClerc jinxed himself. 
here we are in game seven. But if you want questions for those folks too, we'll drop that info when we have it, who watch celebrities are coming on the show and you can ask them questions as well. So become a YouTube member and join the discord. Robert, we got to start with game seven tonight, I think, because Max Scherzer, the Rangers fought through yesterday's game. They held on the pitching Nathan Evaldi, LeClerc, barely hang on for dear life until Garcia hits that grand slam in the ninth inning rally. And all of that was just to get to Max Scherzer in game seven, which terrifies me from a Rangers perspective. Oh, me too. And like, who would have thought, let's say we're asking this question two years ago, who would have thought when you ask, um, when you ask that, that you'd be terrified of Scherzer and what he's going to be. But we're at that point now with Scherzer where you don't know necessarily what you're going to get, especially with him coming off the injury and coming off uh, that last start where he couldn't control his slider and the Astros obviously pounced on it. And you got to, you got to figure the Astros are going to be ready for it once again. Um, And if there's going to be any mistakes that he makes, they're going to be ready to take advantage of them. And this is, but that being said though, for moments like these, these, this is exactly why the, Rangers went out and acquired Max Scherzer. He's got the pedigree. His career is is like is destined for the Hall of Fame at some point. And I'll tell you, like, if, if there's if he ends up like winning tonight's game for the Rangers and they advance to the World Series, I will tell you this right now: that trade, even though they gave up a lot in return to get Scherzer, it would be worth it. It would get him to the World Series, and that's exactly what they had in mind when they acquired Scherzer. I don't know about you, Adam. I'm a little nervous. I'm going in thinking that the Astros kind of have the heavy, or I wouldn't say the heavy, but they got a slight like tilt in their favor in this one. I think they have the, the advantage. Like, what do you think? I also think that Scherzer has the uh, significant disadvantage here. I, I think the Astros have had the upper hand ever since that Altuve home run landed in the left field seats in game five, uh, which was just like the most effortless ninth inning rally of all time. Uh, you know, you're down for two. And I think everyone in America is wondering, hey, can they get, you know, can they get a guy on base for Altuve or what do they have to do here for us to actually have another moment? And then all of a sudden it's like uh, pinch hit single walk three run bomb. And it's just over like that. And they had first and second, nobody out in the bottom of the inning two couldn't score. And you're kind of just like, well, that's that on that. So I didn't suspect the Rangers were going to come back and win yesterday's game. No. I think, you know, their fans should certainly be proud of them that they did, but What's the alternative if Scherzer struggles tonight? The bullpen is worn out. Spores pitches every day. LeClerc, they were able to get out an inning early yesterday, but it's not like he hasn't been overworked. John Gray comes in and does the bulk, I guess, if that's what they need. But he didn't exactly look great earlier in the series either. I think my opinion on Scherzer sort of turned on a dime during last year's Mets postseason, and he hasn't gotten that mojo back for me. I am I'm not confident at all that the hubris of – I mean – you know why he wants to be out there, but I don't mm-hmm. know if he was ready for game three. And I don't know how much readier he could be for game seven. No, you're hundred percent correct. And like that happened last year where, I mean, the Mets obviously signed him to that historic contract and then the, the Padres just teed off on him. And I mean, that was basically the same case here with the Astros in game three. And um, I'll tell you, like, as you said, if he ends up getting shelled early and they have to pull him from the game, how they're going to end up getting 27 outs in that game is going to end up being a real challenge for Bruce Bochy, considering the state of that state of that pitching staff as a whole. I think he might be onto something though with the John Gray thing. Maybe they turn to him, but man, that that bullpen. If they're able to win this game, um, some days off is going to end up being key for them because they have had to ride that unit uh, to get to this point. And 
Um, man, oh man, I'll tell you, like I'm, as I said, I'm, I'm going in thinking that the Astros are going to win, but it also does just doubting Max Scherzer just doesn't feel smart. Like if there's any time for him to pull out a surprise outing and go vintage Max Scherzer, it's now. Um, he, I don't know. I, I'm, I don't know. I'm just torn because I my gut says Astros, my heart says Rye with Max Scherzer. I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Astros tonight. I'm final answer. I'm going with Astros. Well, if the Astros have a late lead, will they be able to turn to bullpen ace Brian Abreu, who has a had a weird series, hadn't given up an earned run basically from early summer through the postseason, gave up two in this series, and fueled in many would say the game five rally by hitting Adolis Garcia, clearing the benches, giving the Astros some momentum late. Again, he halts that, you know, the after he gets ejected. Ryan Presley halts that rally in the bottom of the eighth and allows them to come back in the top of the ninth um, in just an absolutely incredible win for that team. But the a suspension of Abreu is sort of hanging in the balance. He appealed and was able to pitch yesterday, but no word yet on whether he'll be available tonight. The Astros kind of operated yesterday like he wouldn't be. Um, I don't know. What's your What are your thoughts on this? Should he be pitching in this series? Did the baseball gods sort of just even the score by having him give up the insurance run yesterday? And it was like, all right, great. You know, he's in and he's kind of ineffective. So isn't that the worst of both worlds? Yeah, I'll tell you, like, I'm I'm surprised that Major League Baseball suspended him for two games. I Because to me, there was no intent behind that. And I, I wouldn't understand why there would be intent. Um, I mean, the Astros, like, they've been the villains for years. And I, I just, I can't see them trying to do that now. And like, even in, the, like, even then, like every out every batter is critical in the postseason, and I just can't see them intentionally doing that. I think their response that day, and even um, even in like the the following days after that, how they've just been adamantly denying that it was intentional. I think that says a lot. And to me, I think he should be able to pitch in Game Seven. Um, like I, I just don't. I think Major League Baseball kind of overreacted to that one. And another part of this too is. I thought it was really strange that Adolis Garcia didn't initially go after Abreu. He went after Martin Maldonado. I wondered why that was. Uh, if I was there, I would have asked um, because I, I don't recall seeing that happen much. And I wondered if there was a particular reason for it. Maybe somebody did ask and I didn't see the answer. Um, but that's that's something that stood out to me. And I personally think that Abreu should be able to pitch tonight. I really do. Well, we'll see if it ends up affecting them. Ryan Stanek did not have the juice yesterday when he was called on to handle the late inning duties. And Garcia, after swinging incredibly hard 16 times in last night's game, resulted in four Ks and then finally on the 16th swing, an all-time Grand Slam. And that is why we're here. My head, same as you, my head riding with the Astros, my heart riding with Max Scherzer. But I do suspect Houston comes out on top. Uh, And their opponent will be... I don't know. The series that you went to in the desert flipped a little bit midway through. Uh, you can write that first walk off off as just the home team. The answer backs getting lucky, but they win game four. The Phillies bullpen breaks down at a very inopportune time. It's Craig Kimbrell in both three and four who sort of gets tagged with the decisive, uh, you know, the makes your face scrunch up like, well, that wasn't great. And so even if this team advances, that's, Still not great. Uh, I mean, I'm curious as to what you saw in the desert. Now the Phillies have 
uh, right of the ship a little bit. They're coming home up three games to two. It could have been worse for them, but this has been extended far beyond what they were comfortable with, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. I remember it was before game three. Uh, I was standing on the field and I was talking to Jesse Rogers of ESPN and we were catching up and we were giving each other our thoughts on the series. And I told Jesse, I was like, I honestly, I think the Phillies are going to end up winning this one in five and maybe even four games. I think it's going to be, a, it, I think there's a shot for a clean sweep. And all of a sudden Craig Kimbrell implodes in game three and in game four. And before I knew it, it was a tied series and everything that we had said about Craig Kimbrell on the previous podcast turned out to be exactly true because he seemed like he was ripe for just blowing up and it happened. Now he won't be pitching in high leverage situations. And that puts a Phillies bullpen that kind of like it has depth, but it doesn't have like high end depth in like a really interesting position here because no longer are they going to put Craig Kimbrell in high leverage situations. Kirkering, who is somebody that that organization is extremely high on, they put him in some really high leverage situations here, and he did not deliver. So you got to imagine that takes out two of their high leverage guys. They have Jose Alvarado. They have, they have some other guys that they can use there. Um, and the bullpen is like in a really precarious situation there. I. I think ultimately, like the Phillies are going to be fine in this series. I think their offense and also having Aaron Nola going in game six is going to be enough to get them to the World Series. But having that bullpen exposed like it has been this series, I think that's going to end up being an issue that presents itself in the World Series, whether or not they play the Rangers, the Astros, because they have the pieces to take advantage. Um, one of the storylines to follow, but uh, I give the Diamondbacks credit in this series. They really. Um, they defied the odds. They proved me wrong. They proved all their doubters wrong. And they do, in fact, belong here. And should I just get into my thoughts on the Diamondbacks? Like, just go all if you don't mind. No, power through it. Because, I mean, the Phillies, it is quite. It's like, hey, Kimbrel's got to go in back-to-back games there. Kirkering maybe didn't have to be in high leverage in the second one. But neither of them is an option right now. So we, we know what the Phillies are. Give me your Diamondbacks thoughts. Yeah, because it's like the Diamondbacks, they obviously came into this postseason as extreme underdogs. And they swept the Brewers, they swept the Dodgers, and they've basically hung toe-to-toe with the Phillies. And obviously they have some really key young pieces in Corbin Carroll. And, uh, and I mean, you have Gabriel Moreno, you have veterans like uh, Cattell Marte. Um, and they have pieces all, all across the board here that just make them so dangerous and especially that's just on offense. Then you look at their pitching staff. They have Zach Gallon, they have Merrill Kelly, Brandon Fott. He is somebody who I remember at the trade deadline hearing from a couple of rival teams saying that they wanted it like that, that were trying to trade for Brandon Fott. And it seemed like that was basically everyone in baseball that was talking to the Diamondbacks and the Diamondbacks responded to this, like this one team and said, you know, we have other players besides Brandon Fott, right? Because we're not trading them. And basically that would put a close to their trade discussions. But the Diamondbacks have been high on Brandon Fott for the longest time. And they view him as a key piece to this rotation, like not just now, but going forward. And having um, and having those top three guys now and going forward is going to end up being pretty key for them. They obviously have um, some key free agents in the offseason that they're going to have to take care of. Uh, Guriel uh, in the outfield, who has been pretty good for them, is one of them. Tommy Pham is 
I'll tell you, talking to players in the, in, in the locker room there, Tommy Pham has been a really important player for them. And he is positioning himself and to be one of the more highly coveted, um, like I was one of the more highly coveted, like second tier guys. And it wouldn't surprise me if he ends up getting a multi-year deal because everywhere he's been, I know there's the Jock Peterson, Jock Peterson incident that's going to follow him for the rest of his career, but he changes clubhouses and in a good way. And I think he's a, he's somebody who has been extremely important for that young clubhouse. And it wouldn't surprise me if there was a bunch of other teams who saw that and tried to add him to their clubhouses because he's just both on the field and off of it. He's been really important for Arizona. I'm still surprised he wasn't a Yankee midseason. Could have been. And and everybody is sort of raving about his ability. Like the Buck Showalter and the Mets on the way out talked about how important FAM was there. We all question why the Red Sox got FAM last midseason when they maybe shouldn't have been buyers, but they were. Like we all wonder why everybody's going after Tommy FAM. And now the results are, are quite clear because of what he has done in Arizona. There are other players on the team besides Brandon Fott. Uh, you might want to check in on them. Next time he got the uh, old early hook treatment in game three, too. It didn't end up coming back to bite him, but he he got the old school. Like, I don't know, every uh, everyone on the Hall of Fame's veterans committee was like fuming and shaking their fists. But ultimately, they they did win that baseball game. So you cannot fault them. No, 100 percent. And I remember because it, it was like Tori Lavella was adamant that Fott would not go through the lineup a third time. And as soon as he ended up getting through the 18th batter, Tori Lovello did not even skip a second. He was immediately walking out to the pitcher's mound. And that that crowd booed, like, booed Lovello like crazy. <laughs> and, I mean, you can't you can't blame the crowd because he, he was cruising through that point. But he was protecting his young pitcher, and he's just very mindful of uh, of guys going through the order a third time. And as soon as Lovello got the ball from, from Fott and Fott walked off the mound, like, he got a standing ovation, and, and rightfully so. And you got to imagine, like, his – postseason performances against the Dodgers and the, and the Phillies here, two like really good opponents is going to end up vaulting him going into next year. And I think we're looking at a serious breakout candidate next year. And if you have, if you have those three guys cruising and you add a capable fourth or fifth starter, we're looking at a team that has one of the better rotations in, in the national league and combined with their offensive pieces that could they could end up being right back in this spot again next year. Like they have pieces and um and I would fully expect Mike Hazen to supplement the roster to get them back to this point and even possibly back to the world's or even to the World Series next year, if they don't make it this year, of course. Feel better about them than the Dodgers rotation for sure. Not trolling, just no, me either. Yeah. I'm right there with you. The Dodgers rotation, man. I, I was telling I was telling our guy Fabian Ardaya the other day that the Dodgers in addition to Otani, they need to um, they need to prioritize a, a high end starter like a, a Jordan Montgomery or a, a Blake Snell or even like an Aaron Nola type. Like, I think they have to leave the offseason with at least one of those guys. Yeah, a thousand percent. And and they need to leave the offseason with one of those guys for it to even be close. Um, shout out to Kyle Schwarber too. I, and, you know, we will move right on to the juicy stuff, the front office maneuvers, the managerial stuff. But shout out to Kyle Schwarber for eleven homers in NLCS. Uh, most in NLCS history, 20 postseason homers for a lefty. That's the most ever. Uh, he's the fifth player to reach 20 playoff homers. He did so faster than anybody else. And that is somebody who was just flat out available to start the 2021 season. It was like, you want Kyle Schwarber? You just have him. Um, I think like 
obviously he unlocked plenty in Washington, was the ultimate clubhouse vibes steward in Boston, got the big multi-year deal in Philadelphia, but I think a lot of teams regret not bringing in someone who we knew exactly what he was, and, and he's exactly that now, and a lot of teams could have just had that for a mid-tier amount of money and decided not to. No, 100%. And I'll, I remember that signing happening when he went, ended up going to Washington. And I thought it was a really interesting fit at the time. And then you got to see him unleash it. Like his first half of the season in Washington when he was healthy was peak Kyle Schwarber. Like it was, it was phenomenal. And he credited a lot of it to Kevin Long. And Kevin Long, like working with him, that got his career right back on track and kind of maximized his potential. And that was, uh, it, it was like, there's a lot of teams in hindsight that should have pursued Schwarber, but I don't think it could have worked out any better for Schwarber in his career. And he ended up getting traded to Boston. And obviously that he, he was good in Boston when, when he was healthy, of course. And then he ended up going to Philadelphia as a free agent. I remember, cause that was right before the, the, um, the CBA was, was, um, or was it? It was a CBA, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it was like I remember it was about um, thirty minutes before like free agency was going to close, and I got a text from somebody who was pretty close to Schwarber saying, "Ring the bell," and I'm like, "Does that mean he's? Is that mean he's going to Philly?" And it obviously wasn't the case, but like the fit was obvious. It was going to reunite him with Kevin Long. It was going to get him in a lineup that just absolutely matches. And the Phillies, they prioritized Schwarber. They they were in serious talks before the the lockout. And then right immediately after, they ended up signing him. And they put him in the lineup along with Nick, Nick Castellanos, paired him with Bryce Harper. Then they added Trey Turner. The career for Kyle Schwarber has been a kind of a roller coaster. But Kevin Long is the one who got it right back on track. And I know he doesn't hit for average like some people prefer, but he hits bombs. And he is one of the more like I don't think there's a more aesthetically pleasing home run than Kyle Schwarber in baseball. And it just honestly just works. And it makes it's one of the many reasons why the Phillies are just so good. Yeah. March 20th, 2022, the day it became official, just a four year, $79 million deal. Kind of the day the Phillies culture changed to and brought us to this point where they might be on the verge of another NL championship. And we'll see if they can parlay that into a championship trophy, which they were not able to obtain. Hit me out with that T.O. Yeah, so I'm, I'm calling a timeout here. So I'm seeing, like, this is totally unrelated from the Phillies here, but I want to answer this question before um, before I forget about it. It's from, it's from Justin, and he is asking, Otani and Yamamoto together make L.A. mini Japan. Very interesting. I, I don't expect those guys to sign with the same team. I'm going to leave it at that. I I don't expect that at all. There you go. There you go. I mean, to mind, like I don't want to make it seem like they don't like each other. I don't think it's not that at all. But like, I just do not expect them to sign with the same team based on my conversations with with people around the league. I'm seeing a lot from an outside perspective. Obviously, the Yankees sent Brian Cashman to Japan to check Yamamoto. Manaya went to a bunch of Yankee scouts went. Uh, the Mets want him, and, and I think Kodai Senga wants him. And then Farhan Zaidi sort of indicated the Giants might not be outbid on Yamamoto. So if not both for the Dodgers, it kind of does feel like, 
a lot of teams in the Dodgers rival orbit might be towards the front of that Yamamoto line. Yeah, I'm 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 right there. Like the Giants are gonna be firm players for Yamamoto. And I like the I don't know how to pronounce the name. The alchemic. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Um I, I think that might be it. Um I think that might be the reason why. Um they may not sign with the same team. And uh, as I said, it's, it has nothing to do with them uh disliking each other because I I'm under the impression they like are friends, but um I think that might end up being might that that right there from the alchemic might be the reason why those teams or why those why those guys probably will not sign together. Um, would uh, would Canyons Pirates consider taking this big jump and and maybe entertaining a Yamamoto deal? It's going to be two hundred million dollars. We we pretty much know that. Yeah, I'll tell you the like the Pirates. <laughs> I'd first of all, I don't expect them to sign Yamamoto, but Sorry, man. going from um, having their biggest deal being Jason Kendall to then. Uh, key Brian Hayes, and then to Brian Reynolds, which was the first player to sign for over $100 million in team, $100 million contract in team history, to then possibly signing uh, Yamamoto for 200 mil. Uh, pretty far. That's going to be pretty far fetched. But I will say, I do like that Bob Nunning is spending more. And I fully expect for my conversations with people, uh, them to end up signing um, or being more active in free agency than they have in years past, especially with. Uh, not just lower or mid-tier guys. I think, well, I think they're going to be more on mid-tier guys, but they're going to be spending more than they have in years past. Well, we will hopefully get keyed in as the offseason continues on who exactly is on their radar, but tough to see a Yamamoto fit there. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You mentioned Farhan and the Giants becoming players for Yamamoto. They're apparently players for somebody else pretty important. Uh, you had a Bob Melvin hunch a couple weeks ago. We watched it play out in the comments of the stream that even when we heard he was going back to San Diego and so was Preller, it was like, I'd like to see the ink dry on that. And now he has permission to interview with the Giants. Seems to be a favorite for that managerial job in Gabe Kapler's place. Is he as good as gone? And if so, who is next in San Diego? I think they're, I think he's as good as gone because as someone who is pretty close to the situation ended up like saying to me earlier, how does Bob Melvin like get permission to interview with the giants, go to the giants and talk with them and then return back to San Diego as if nothing happened. I don't think that's possible. I don't, I honestly, I don't think that can happen. I think Melvin is basically as good as gone in San Diego and, I would imagine he's probably about 90% of the way to being the Giants' as manager. Obviously, anything can happen, uh, so you never know. But the writing has been on the wall for this for quite some time. And, um, yeah, there was just like – I know Preller said on the record right away that Melvin was going to return next year. But my conversations with people before that and even immediately after Preller's comments suggested that Melvin's future was up in the air. And, obviously, it is – that would be a really disappointing end to what was supposed to be a really exciting tenure in San Diego, but it just, it never worked. And um, Melvin and, and Preller's relationship was just, it was never there. Like they, 
it just they they butted heads. Like I know there's been some reports that they hate each other. I don't think that is entirely accurate. I think that's probably way too strong, but they just never they just never were eye to eye. And um I will like I would imagine that Padres' next manager is either gonna be it's gonna be Mike Schilt or the other in-house candidate there. I think that's gonna probably be the direction they go in. Um and you got to wonder if if this doesn't work out, this has to be AJ Preller's last hire, right? Because you can't. This would be what his fourth or fifth manager. There's many GMs who don't get like more than one, and that's crazy. And he's got to get this one right. He's got to make sure he ends up giving like he doesn't try to micromanage. I guess the coaching staff because I know that's been a common complaint for some of these coaches. Um, it's got to work because they've obviously invested a lot of money in that team. And if it doesn't work, then I think they just need to clear house and, and start all over. And, and for Peter Seidler, who's just done everything he possibly can to get that team in contention, um, that would be a pretty tough pill to swallow. What about Schilt as manager, Yadier Molina as his bench coach? Am I on peyote or is that possible? I, I don't know, but I, I am going to I'm going to guess that Yadier Molina ends up with the Cardinals as a coach in some some way, shape or form. I think that's where he's going to go. Um, I just can't see him being outside of the Cardinal red. But if there's ever anyone who can get him to be um, with a different organization. Perhaps that person going to be a Mike Schilt. Who knows? Well, we shall see. I like Schilt over Ryan Flaherty, I think. And this is probably Preller's last shot. You have to think uh before we sign off we got to do another update on the red sox gm search because i just I, my mind is boggled and i was on the road to the airport on friday when i got the notification that kim ang had turned down an opportunity to interview for that job james click interviewed for that job but also turned it down uh so now we're left with a bunch of internal candidates and thad levine and neil huntington and also just some cricket noises um what the hell is going on and we'll probably do an update on this on thursday too craig breslow like we love him but maybe not as the president of baseball ops maybe just as like a guy we hire i mean what are the tea leaves telling you on this big old ball of gibberish and what is kim ang likely to do now that she's just not even gonna take that call yeah, I'll tell you, it is the Reds. Like you would think the Boston Red Sox of all jobs would be if it was open, it'd be the most coveted job in the market because it's story franchise and you're you're going to assume you're going to have a lot of money to work with. And obviously that has not been the case, um, especially with Heim Bloom there. He had a pretty limited budget and was kind of forced to trade uh, Mookie Betts so that it's there's a lot of candidates that are turning this job down. There's certainly some people that are interested and in, all indications are that Thad Levine is someone who is interested in that. Um, and I believe there has been reports that he has indeed received permission to talk to the Red Sox, but besides him and a couple other guys, it's not a very coveted job at all. And I've even, I've heard from other candidates who view the Marlins job as more attractive than the Red Sox job. And who would have seen that coming? Uh, certainly not me. I wondered, like, there's been some people in the league who think that James Click could end up being somebody who's interested in the Marlins job. I don't know for sure. I've not heard anything from Click or the Marlins on that, but that's just been the industry scuttlebutt. Um, but I'll, I'll tell you, like, the Marlins' job right now, I think, is is more attractive. I think it's more ready to win, like, 
or boy, I guess, I don't know. That's kind of a tough thing to say. Cause I mean, the Red Sox, I mean, they had a good year and also the Marlins played in a really tough division, but um, yeah, it's, it's a really fascinating one. I think the Red Sox are just having a really hard time in a search and I'm not necessarily sure how long it's going to take, but they, they got to figure this thing out. Cause I know there's some people who think that they should just stay in house with Romero. Um, but man, it's, Tough sledding for this one, for sure. Yeah, your uh, stuff on you know, Melvin never passing the smell test. James Click passing on this for family concerns didn't pass the smell test to me. Uh, him and Haim Bloom worked at Baseball Prospectus together. They worked with the Rays together. They went to Yale. Like, I just kind of feel like that was a situation where it was like Bloom calling Click and being like, no go, dude. Do not do this. You are not going to want to do this. He took the interview then uh, his family stepped in and he maybe stepped away. But let's, I would I would not be shocked if he took the Marlins job and all of a sudden the family concerns went out the window. Yeah. And I'll wait. Was it was it uh, was it click that was had the case for that or was it John Daniels? I, I saw click say familial reasons. I, I don't know if it was concerns or whatnot, but that was yeah. sort of took the interview and then took himself out. Yeah, because I, I think the same thing happened with with John Daniels too, and maybe that's just their polite way of saying no to the Red Sox. And yeah, um, yeah, I'll, just totally bizarre. Um, but I'll tell you, like that that job is not viewed as, as desirable at all in baseball circles. And 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 Josh W, you ask a you ask a good question there, and with Alex Cora, um, he's a good manager. Obviously, Hurdy can be a little tough to work with. Um, obviously, like I, yeah, I, I think. Um, I do wonder though, cause I mentioned on this, on the last pod, Buster only who worked with Alex Cora at ESPN wrote something about the possibility of, of, of Cora going to like the front office and then them hiring a manager, um, to try to like, I, well, it would just be a different scenario. Obviously. I wonder exactly if that is a possibility. I don't know. Um, but the fact that Buster wrote that and he's somebody who worked with Cora, I thought that was really interesting. And maybe that's something we should be like thinking about more. Um, but yeah, just this entire situation has just been totally bizarre to follow and try to track. Uh, Cause basically nobody in league circles knows who wants the job or who's going to get it. Well, stay tuned for more of this discussion on Thursday, next Monday, the Thursday after that, and the Monday after that into November. Uh, that's it for today's show. Big games tonight. It's been a long time since we've gotten a game six and a game seven on the same night. We're, look, we're talking about 03, like Red Sox, Yankees, and Marlins Cubs was the last time you've been able to see something like this. So will tonight represent the Phillies winning the National League again? Will tonight represent a 2019 World Series throwback like Justin wrote earlier where Max Scherzer goes on the road in Houston and the road team wins all seven games of a seven-game series sending the Astros home without a title you will find out officially one of those will be settled tonight potentially the phillies could have to play again tomorrow end of show where do you stand you're still thinking houston and philly tonight and then we prepare for friday that's where i'm at too yeah yeah that's exactly where i'm at who, who would have thought like this like such an unpredictable baseball season and then it just ends with a world series rematch that's yeah. uh crazy but I, that's what i think is gonna end up happening me too. No back-to-back champs since the 99-2000 Yankees. The Astros could become 
the first team to do it in over two decades. And that like, that is crazy. That's crazy. It happens in every spell. Teams are always winning back-to-back titles, but not in baseball. That means the World Series rematch would be extra insane uh, and would be extra earned by both teams. You'd have a chance at something truly special, no matter who makes it to the final stage of October. Uh, make sure to become a member of the YouTube channel if you have not yet. Just a dollar a month, you can become a member of our private Discord, chat with us, and you're going to want to get in there before the offseason really heats up. So become a YouTube member to chat with Robert and I in our private Discord channel. Bet365 is the sponsor. The promo code is BASEBALLIN. All you have to do is deposit $10, place a $5 wager on any game, 150 back in your account in bonus bets. If you're a new user and you register with the code BASEBALLIN, new customers, 21+, plus, physically present legal gambling states, Make sure you gamble responsibly. Check the episode description to confirm that you qualify. And we will be back on this channel streaming live on YouTube on Thursday, 3.30 Eastern on all of your preferred podcast platforms. The audio goes up right after the video goes live. The chat was lively today. You guys fueled a lot of the conversation. You helped direct things. You can do that in the Discord as well. But the chat was especially active. Y'all are the best. Y'all are the reason we do this. Uh, and I know Robert would agree, although you, you do this because uh, of Howie Roseman, really. Like, I feel like you do this because he fuels you. But other than him, the chat kind of gets you going. No, I do it for the chat more than I do it for Howie. But Howie, is, he's giving me even more reasons to love him uh, with that trade for Kevin Byard and putting that team together. But um, but no, we, we I can speak for both Adam and I and also Joanne, who is our, our lovely producer, and saying thank you, everybody, for watching the, watching the show and, and commenting and and subscribing and going to the discord channel. Cause like, that's, that's what makes this possible. It's what allows us to bring you the content and the news that we do. Um, and we really appreciate it. We'll see you on Thursday for sure. Won't we Adam? Oh yeah. We'll be right back here. We hope you will be too. Until then take care everybody. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early. So everyone can go home on time. There's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.